Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. We are your hosts, Spen. Oh, you want me to say my name? Uh, Nick. There you go. And we have a very special guest today. I'm, I'm pumped about this episode because this is a kid who, who's been on Nets Twitter for a while, but he's taken advantage of, of a new feature, you know, these past few months called Spaces. And that is Brandon at BL City and the number five on Twitter. Uh, one of the most passionate Nets fans you will meet. As I mentioned, he is the host of one of the biggest Nets spaces on Twitter. So, Brandon, I want to start by asking, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. This is your, your first time first time on Fireside Nets, correct? Yep, correct. All right. Hopefully, it won't be the last. Correct. Hopefully, Hopefully. not. <laughs> uh, we'll see how the, this goes. We'll see how this goes. For all those old heads out there and my brother who is not on Twitter, tell us what Spaces is about and then specifically, you know, the one that you host basically after every single Nets game. Um, I think it's the good way to put it is when it first came out, I was kind of skeptical of it. I wasn't sure what exactly it was. So I had to watch people do it uh, first, but it's basically um, like a – Twitter podcast in a sense where except it's always live you can record it but you can't really uh, plug it into really anything else um, <clears throat> but it's more like a big gathering of Nets fans after a game uh, where you're able to converse spit, spit your reactions um, that's a place where you're able to you know overreact you know be positive uh, we like to in our spaces we like to make sure every everyone's voice is heard whether that's um, a differing opinion. If somebody wants to come in and just cuss their, their lungs out after the game, after a tough loss, they're more than happy to do that. If they just want to spread optimism, they're more than happy to do that. Um, it's a it's a way for the Nets community to interact with each other, uh, bring all sorts of different perspectives to the table. Um, and especially people who, uh, I don't know if, how long you guys have been on Nets Twitter, but people that have beefs, <laughs> there's been a lot of beef settled in Nets spaces as well. So it gets kind of entertaining and spicy at the same time, but um, it's it's all fun at the end of the day and we're all we're all trying to achieve the same goal and that's when a championship so has, um, has anybody ever just jumped on completely unrelated to the nets and basketball and just said crazy shit yes all the time <laughs> awesome. I, I i can vouch for brandon too it's a very free forum I, I mean you have people come on the spaces complaining about the refs complaining about the team but then as he mentioned you have these optimistic fans and i will give brandon and jay from bk who by the way i'm going to get into a story in a second i really like jay from bk i want to put it out there i think he's one of the coolest guys in that's twitter i don't say that often uh, about people on that's twitter because most people on that's twitter are kind of lame um but i think he's one of the real ones out there so i actually after the warriors loss i couldn't sleep it was like 11 12 o'clock i went on to his spaces I went on to Brandon's faces and, you know, I waited. They're really good at, or at least Brandon is, at when you request to speak. It's it's sort of you have your listener uh, function and your speaker function, and you can request to speak. There can only be, what is it, 10 speakers at a time? Depending on how many hosts there is, I figured that I just found out the more hosts there are, the more speakers you can have. Um, I think if I have two speakers, I think I can have a total of eight 
If I have three, it's 10. Okay. All right. So this was a night where you guys had a good amount of speakers, but you let me in there and I waited my turn. I waited my turn. And it's like, it's like 1231 AM mind you. It is late. (laughs) Um, I'm someone who I don't want to bog down people with, with my conversation while they're talking. Because I feel like, you know, you have enough guys who are so familiar with, with the spaces and they're on a ton. I feel like those guys can interject. But when it's someone like me who's not on as often, it's it's weird if Fireside Nets chimes in out of the blue. So waited for my turn to speak. And then I just went on like, I want to say a two-minute rant about everything I was feeling at that moment. And I'll, I'll never forget, right after that, the kid who spoke before me was like started making jokes and it wasn't really directed at me. It was just more or less, there was, there was some sort he was saying, he was saying Timothy Luau Cabaret with a very uh, fake French accent, Nick, which is something you have done on this podcast. And mind you, I didn't think the joke was bad. I had just poured my heart and soul out as a Nets fan. So I'm like half awake. The guy makes the, t- the TLC joke. I'm like, Hey, I'm kind of pouring my heart out here. And Jay from BK steps in the nice guy. He is, he goes fireside nets. I hear you. I agree with most of what you said. Let me give you my rebuttal. So Jay from BK kind of saved me on that night. Cause I, all I said to everyone, I'm like, Hey guys, I'm pouring out my feelings, you know? And, and yeah, it was, it was one of those, uh, those cool moments where someone from nets Twitter had my back. Yeah. I've, that's what we tried doing. Um, people kind of just, get in their own sets of ways, especially on those spaces where um, if, if, if we've been going on for a while, the jokes have already been going on. So that sometimes they kind of just uh, <laughs> continue the joke, even though uh, it's been over with. Could you, could you give me a good Timothy Luau Cabaret in a French accent? Brandon? I cannot, we would need cash up here for that. That, that was the one that was the kid. <laughs> and he wasn't doing it like to be a jerk. I, I, you know, it was just weird timing, I guess. Um, what about you, Nick? I know you got a good one in you. Cash can say it really well And it's really funny to hear it Shout out Cash I got no beef with Cash I like Cash He just caught me when I was half awake Alright, let's get into some net stuff We have uh, a few updates I don't know if you want to call it that Basically Steve Nash came out And said there was still no timeline On Kevin Durant's return Or on Joe Harris's return I think he said one of them was progressing in their in their rehab but what's the point of of even answering a question like that to say hey there's no timeline could be next week could be never uh but yeah that's the answer like brandon does it drive you crazy how close nash and marks play certain things to the vest um yeah i think i've you know this goes back to the kenny atkinson days though too i mean they've they've always been pretty uh discreet about the timelines for injuries uh not really given real updates um, and kind of just always playing it safe, which I can definitely understand with Kevin Durant because you want him more so healthy for the playoffs than healthy for the regular season. Uh, I think that's the goal all along. Um, so I can't really get too upset about that. I understand the timeline for Kevin Durant. He's he's ahead of schedule, uh, but they're just playing it safe. He should be back after the All-Star break, so I'm not really too concerned. But Joe Harris, the setback he had on his foot, that's a little concerning. Um, he was supposed to actually be back two weeks ago, um, right before the Lakers game. So uh, that's a little concerning for me. But uh, we'll see. Uh, supposedly, uh, his second opinion went pretty good. So we'll see when he comes back. I can't wait till that comes back, seeing him and Patty stretch the floor. I think that solves a lot of spacing issues that we actually have. When someone gets a second opinion, is that implying that the first opinion was bad and they misdiagnosed or mistreated him? 
From my understanding, I don't think that's the case. Um, I think they were just playing it safe and got the second opinion of, of just based off of uh, a caution. Gotcha. I'm, I'm thinking of like two drastic opinions. Like one doctor's like, hey, your leg's broken. You're never going to play again. The second doctor's like, ah, you're fine, man. Just right. you know, give it a week. You'll be good to go. I, I always thought that was kind of funny. Also, to not trust uh, your doctors is, I mean, why even go there in the first place? All right. And then as far as James Harden goes, I think he should be ready to play against the Suns tomorrow night. If you're listening Tuesday, games tonight. Um, have you heard anything different, uh, Brandon, or, or you think we, we see Harden against Phoenix? I think we'll see Harden. I'm not sure what that mysterious wrist injury was, um, but that was it's just another one of those things where it's kind of like, especially with all the speculation that came out just a few days prior, he hasn't really played since that uh, speculation came out on Tuesday. He played that night, but after that, we haven't seen him, which is got- pretty uh, – Pretty interesting. You haven't heard anything about that mysterious wrist injury, huh? Nope. Nick, keep your your weird crude jokes to yourself, right, buddy? I, I, I see the way your mind works. You do a satirical comedy show in the city. You got a crude sense of humor. Enough, all right? It was just a wrist injury. Calm down. All right. Mm-hmm. Nick, this next, this next segment is called Nick Gives Us a Standings Update. So give us a standings update where the Nets, uh, the Nets sit right now. Uh, we dropped to sixth after those four losses in a row. Uh, so Heat won, Bulls, Sixers, Cavs, Bucks, Nets, Hornets, Raptors were two and a half games back to the Heat, who are on pace to lose to the Celtics. Uh, so that'll put them actually behind the Bulls by a half a game. So okay. expect at the end of the night uh, uh, the Bulls to take over in first place. Um, but we're in sixth, only two games above the Hornets and only four games above the Raptors in eighth. So the East is tight. If you compare to the East to the West, West is very top-heavy. Uh, East has a much stronger middle. Uh, so the fight, you know, for that four to eight seed is going to be pretty tough. Um, you also have some lingering people down low who are trying to make the playoffs, like the Celtics, uh, who are tied with the Raptors right now, uh, and they're sitting in ninth right behind them. Hawks, who are on a seven-game win streak, who are only a game and a half out from the playoffs. So super tight. Um, I was not expecting us to drop to sixth, uh, but it's a, a little bit frightening, I will say. So I have a nightmare scenario for you guys, and we're going to get right back to uh, to that sixth place in the standings in a second. But what if somehow we played Toronto in the first round? Kyrie wouldn't be allowed to play in that series, correct? As it stands now, no. Nick? Yeah, that, that would suck. So I, I kind of hope that the Raptors don't. And also it would absolutely be – it would be somewhat comical for the Raptors to somehow send us packing without Kyrie. I mean, I don't think that would happen, but – we would oh, have to – the Raptors are in eighth right now, Raptors. So right. We well, also, to, KD would have to be unhealthy. I mean, if we have KD and Harden healthy, I think that we win that series against the Raptors, even without Kyrie. But it, it still makes it a little bit closer. As it stands right now, we play the Sixers, and I don't want to play the Sixers. And Bede's on a freaking roll right now. No, we're, we're not going to finish at the sixth seed. I think we're going to finish higher. I think, you know, we haven't done a great job of and, – and this is the next segment. The next segment, uh, Brandon, it's called Should Nets Fans Be Worried? So we'll start about being in sixth place. I personally don't think Nets fans should be worried. I, I think this is extremely temporary. Uh, I, I think you're going to see this team start to sort of catch their footing. And I say that because the last several losses have not been blowout losses. We'll get into the Lakers, the Warriors, and the Nuggets games. But this undermanned Nets team has been playing with heart. They have been playing 
with effort and and they've been competing with some of these these teams in the west unfortunately they've just been coming up short but i do see there's a path to a few wins before kd returns before the all-star break and uh, i don't think that this sixth place is going to be a permanent permanent thing brandon what are your thoughts should nets fans be worried about their their spot in the standings right now absolutely not yeah no yeah i agree no. nick no, I'm not worried. I mean, it's just right. injury. It's injury central. You know, even if we stay in this middle ground, as soon as ever everyone's healthy, we'll be fine. All right. Three confident Nets fans telling you guys to relax. We are going to be okay. I actually think Joe Harris is uh, going to heal so well, he's going to be able to jump three feet higher. So he's going to be Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> nice. He's it's like, a Henry, like it's a movie, Henry Rollingartner, the pitcher. With yeah. The, what is that? The rookie? The rookie, yeah, the rookie of the year. Cocks it back. That's Joe Harris in a couple. So of, Joe Harris years. is going to add some Derek Jones Jr. to his game and just becomes unstoppable. Hundred percent, hundred percent. All right. Next part of should Nets fans be worried? Should Nets fans be worried about James Harden potentially bolting for free agency this summer? Brandon, let's start with you. Uh, I think it's a legitimate concern. Yeah, Nick. Yeah, I'll take Ben Simmons. Cool. Yeah, I no, think it's not that simple. I think if 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 the, this is realistic, right? Right. Sean Marks is going to have to squeeze Daryl Morey like an orange. So if this is going to go down, we need to get Martise Thibel, Seth mm-hmm. Curry, Ben Simmons, and at least two first-round picks, whether they're protected or not. You're talking about next year, right? Not you're, you're saying ne- this. I'm talking about not, this offseason. Right, right. I don't, not, there's okay. no trade going to be happening okay. for James yeah, Harden by, by next Thursday. Yeah, no, I I get what you're saying. Um, I could see that happening. I, I just I don't understand why Marks would be so, I guess, reluctant to trade him, and then all of a sudden Welch in the offseason. But if he's going to leave anyway, you got to trade him for something. I just I don't know how strong the convictions are that Harden is out of here. Um. You know, he, he kind of weathered the storm after those those reports were leaked. Uh, he hasn't played with the big three. So obviously he's been annoyed this season, but I agree with you. I, I, I think it's a legitimate concern. I think he stays in Brooklyn. Can, I, can I say that? Yeah. I, I think uh, Harden has a little bit of parallel to me with Aaron Rodgers, where they just like to keep everybody guessing and keep all their options open. And a lot of the time they end up staying, although I do think Aaron Rodgers is, is going to leave. But uh it's, it's just interesting to me sometimes it almost feels like a game uh, that Harden's playing with everybody. It's just to me as a Nets fan, a little concerning, and it's, I would be a little pissed off if I was his teammates. Um, you know, that sense of loyalty, that sense of camaraderie, obviously this day and age isn't the 70s, 80s where everyone stays loyal to a specific city, but there is something to be said about people who are trying to build a foundation, stay together, uh, and just not entertain those options. So I, I hopefully it's just a game. Hopefully it's just a kind of media, a little fun play from Harden, but we'll see what happens. What what annoys me is it's all sort of uh, predicated on Kyrie Irving, right? If, if Kyrie Irving is able to play home games again as a Brooklyn net, why would Harden leave? Because Harden would want to play with KD and Kyrie over, I think any other two players in the league. But if Kyrie doesn't figure this out and his home court or lack of home court uh, playing that hurts the Nets in the playoffs and they fall short. I don't blame Harden for wanting to leave. Brandon, what do you think? Um, be on the lookout for Jay's uh, tweets uh, yep, because I- we should be getting a decision this week. It's certainly possible he could be cleared to play in Brooklyn this week. That would be amazing. I've seen those those reports leaked as well. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I've definitely seen it from Jay. I've seen it from a few people. Um, I'm excited. Look, I'm someone who I, I've held out hope all year. I've I've lost it a little bit as of late, but these reports coming out are nice. Uh, it's nice to see. But I, I'll agree with you that people should be concerned about James Harden not being a Brooklyn Net next season. All right, we move on. We have this trade deadline coming up February 10th. We know that Paul Millsap is on the block. Is there anything else, Brandon, that we're hearing about what Sean Marks might want to do before the 10th? Uh, from my understanding, there's a lot of stuff he can do. From what Jay has said on Spaces is there's a lot of um, offers on the table. It's whether Sean Marks wants to take them or not. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get that. I'm just wondering what the offers are and who they're for because there's about four guys I would be willing to ship out right now, and that would be mm-hmm. Javon Carter, James Johnson. The Bulldog? Who's the, oh, is that Javon Carter? Yeah, That's Nick. The- <laughs> We came into the season and Nick was loving Javon Carter. No one was more high on the Javon Carter train than than my brother right here. But uh, he's underperformed. He's been inconsistent. James Johnson, Bruce Brown, they all kind of do similar things outside of the fact that Javon Carter isn't afraid to shoot no matter where he is. Um, that's the Nets problem. You know, the lack of depth, the not having the shooters – Thank God for Kessler Edwards' emergence. Thank God for Patty Mills having a career season because if it wasn't for those guys and LaMarcus Aldridge, the Nets would have been royally fucked this season. Yeah. So, you, you know, I think that there's a few pieces you can move. I think a guy like James Johnson or Javon Carter, these veterans who have been around, I think they can help other teams. And it's not to say that James Johnson hasn't given us good minutes. He has. But I, I think it's been few and far between, at least in my opinion. I don't think you're going to see any any vets traded okay. um, that want to be here. That has been on here on the minimum because what Sean Marks's motto has been the entire time he's been with the Nets is keep players, keep the agents happy um, yes. because it's all about building relationships and maintaining those relationships. So last thing you want to do is ship out a guy who came who took less money to sign here in the offseason unless they actually want to come out. I think that's fair. I think that makes sense. Um, not to mention, we got Landry Shamit paid this mm-hmm. offseason. Good for good for Shamit and Phoenix. So, Brandon, if that's the case, I guess we're looking to trade some some rookies. If anybody, who are who are the guys you would see on the block in that scenario? The only rookie I could actually see being traded is actually DGJ. Outside okay. of that, um, no one. Really, you don't mm-hmm. think that the Nets would make a move to move Cam Thomas if the right offer came available? Absolutely not. Okay, interesting. The reason why is because um, Kyrie is such an unknown. Yes. That you need that reassurance and you need that scoring punch that Cam Thomas can provide. I'll tell you this. I've seen that a few teams prior to the season, before the Nets signed Millsap, the Warriors were a team that was interested in Paul Millsap. So I'm wondering if we can pry one of anybody away from that team because because everybody in that team has seemed to come in and contribute right away. I don't know who they'd be willing to give up for Millsap, but if there was someone like buried on that that roster that you know seemed a little bit attractive, I would I would want them on this team. Uh, there's one scenario that I keep coming back to ever since I saw the report of Sergi Baca being on the market. Okay. Obviously, I'd want Marcus Morris, but I think he's just too expensive for us to get. I think they would want yeah. draft picks, but um, I would. I'm thinking about because we want to get Paul Millsap to a situation where he can win. I expect 
Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to actually return this season. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a combination of a Paul Millsap plus some salary fillers to make it work for Serge Ibaka. Interesting. Okay. I've seen Ibaka's name floated out there a little bit. I think he'd be a really nice pickup for the Nets, especially if you're going to be able to move a guy who hasn't played in Millsap. Um, that would probably take Blake Griffin's playing time off the table, no? No. Okay. So you're, oh, I could see I, those two playing together, actually. I think those two would thrive. Because if, you'd have you'd be able to go five out. And if I'm not mistaken, you're you're a Blake Griffin supporter. You like BG. I love BG. He's my guy. There you go. All right. Let's get into these three games that the Nets played last week. We'll do a quick summary on all of them. We what we do, Brandon, is we start with the latest game. So that was on Saturday night. Warriors mm. 110. Nets uh nine. I'm sorry, Nets 106. I don't know if you can call this the best loss of the season. It was a very good loss considering we only had one of the big three. It was Kyrie, and he went off in this one, 32 points in 39 minutes. Very efficient game for him. Patty Mills chipped in 24, and James Johnson had 14. Uh, this came down to a few questionable calls at the end by the refs, Yep, a, a few big shots by Clay and Steph, and then one missed opportunity for Steve Nash to potentially challenge a call that, that went against us. He did not challenge because he was told, quote, a little birdie told me that I'd probably get the challenge wrong. That pissed off everybody on oh, Nets no avail, we which I thought livid. was an overreaction. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Brandon, what were your thoughts after that loss? Um, obviously, initial thought, especially after that last one, because you really have to put it into perspective. It really doesn't matter whether if he would have um, gotten the challenge wrong or not. Because the whole matter is, is protecting your guys. Kyrie Irvin was adamant to challenge that call. You got you, you to think about it. It's five seconds left in the game. There's an away uh, before the inbounds foul, which is going to give him a free throw plus possession, which is going to make it a four-point game if they hit all their free throws, which, is like, which ends the game right then and there. Right. So you're holding on to this challenge. And you know if you lose the challenge you're going to lose the game. And if you don't challenge, you're going to lose the game. So it's kind of just like it's a why not scenario. Why save it for what? Because um, you didn't utilize it on the other possession, which was even more egregious, the uh, Steph Curry launching himself into Kessler Edwards, which should have been an offensive foul in my opinion. Um, it, it's like what are you holding that on? What are you holding – onto this timeout slash challenge for you called a timeout when the game was already over the big criticism of steve nash then i see it all the time on nets twitter he doesn't have his players backs mm -hmm. there was a clip from a few years ago brandon i think you were interacting with it of kenny atkinson going absolutely fucking nuts during a game oh i posted that you posted it there <laughs> yeah. you go see so I, I understand where you're coming from um he steve nash is not a rah-rah guy he's not going to get fired up like Atkinson would, like we've seen a lot of coaches in this league get. Um, and it sucks because Brandon's right. There were two questionable calls that did not go in our favor. And Nash had the challenge to, to, to you know, give. He would have been right on the Kessler-Edwards play because that was yep. not a foul. He would have won that challenge. I get it. You know, spur of the moment, it's Steph Curry. You think he's crafty enough to draw the foul legally. Wasn't the case. Um, the Kyrie-Clay Thompson play was a little bit different for me. It seemed like a clear foul on not not a clear foul, but it seemed like there was contact enough for the refs to call it. 
I understand what you're saying, Brandon. Even if you're going to lose the challenge, what do you have? What do you have to lose by having your players back in that situation? It's not really right. a matter of, of winning or losing it. It's just a matter of saying, "Hey, Kyrie, you know what? You're my guy. You said it's not a foul. I'll challenge it." Right. Um. So that was a tough way to lose, but I, I do want to look at the bright spots, which was Kyrie Irving looks like he hasn't lost a step. I mean, he scored, I think, twenty plus in almost every game he's been in this season. And Kessler Edwards, the job defensively that Kessler did on Steph Curry for the majority of that game, I mean, Curry and Thompson did not have good basketball games. I know Clay hit a huge three at the end, and Curry hit some big shots in the fourth, but just 19 points for Steph, 16 for Clay. Andrew Wiggins was the guy we really couldn't stop. He had 24 points. Um, but I think this was a strong showing if you're the Nets with just one of the big three and, and your rookie coming up huge on the defensive side of the ball. I agree. Um, oh, we held Andrew Wiggins, I think, to single digits in the second half. So we did our job on him in the second half. He did most of his damage in that first in that first quarter. He wasn't. He was pretty quiet for the rest of the game because uh, I think he had 16 in that first, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but it was a it was a very encouraging game to watch. That is definitely for sure. Um, I thought. Um, Kessler Edwards, not a lot of people can fight over the screens on Steph Curry. Even the elite, elite defenders in this league do not fight over the screens like Kessler Edwards did defensively against Steph Curry. That's how he gets so many open for threes for so much. Um, so it was a very impressive showing. I thought there's a lot of people that really stepped up during that game. Obviously, uh, Kessler Edwards, but you also had guys like... Uh, not Bembry, but Blake Griffin, he played a terrific game. Uh, Patty Mills, who got hot in that third and fourth quarter. We wouldn't, where would we be without them? Blake provided much needed. And I think if LA didn't get injured in the fourth, I think we probably would have won that game because we missed a lot of bunnies down the stretch. And what was LA doing when he was in the game? Punishing them down low. Yeah, that, that was a tough injury for the Nets. Uh, Lamarcus went out with an ankle injury. He is receiving. I guess uh, a look at that in Arizona, correct? He will not be in – well, he, he's going to be in Phoenix, obviously, but he, he won't be playing in that game correct? Um, against the Suns. So that was a tough blow. Uh, I'll say this about Blake Griffin, and I've been very down on the Blake Griffin hype train this year. I just don't think his ability to – his inability to hit open three-pointers has really hurt his production in the beginning and I think more recently. But I, he, he's been a lot better. But I'll give him credit because he was a guy – he underperformed to start in the starting role. Nash completely removed him from the rotation. That would kill a lot of guys' confidence, even veterans in the league. But he stayed ready, and then we got hit with that huge COVID spree, and we needed Blake. And I went to a game against the 76ers at home. Uh, this was our win against them. And he had a huge game. And I just remember thinking – Good for him because because to get benched like that and to play that poorly and then in that game, I think he hit a huge three to essentially close out the game. Since then, he's been giving the Nets some, some pretty good minutes, I think, on a nightly basis. So I do want to shout out to Blake Griffin for, for not sucking as hard as he did when the season started. And I think that's comes with age, too. Yeah. Uh, because – obviously he came he came last season um half the season he came midway right. through the season uh Brooklyn was able to ramp him up over the he didn't play I think for the first two or two and a half weeks uh when he originally signed here so he was able to ramp up get acquainted and all that stuff I just think Blake Griffin needs a minute limit if he goes exceeds over that 15 20 minute limit every single night 
you're going to get what you get in the beginning of the season. He's only a 15, 20-minute guy, but he needs to play because when he's on the floor, you can see the energy that he provides his team. He wins a lot of 50-50 balls. He grabs a lot of rebounds. He hasn't been hitting his three this season, but I'm fairly confident that will come back. Yeah, he uh, he's a very smart player, especially passing the ball. I think he's an underrated passer. I agree with you. I, I do think, and, and honestly, my favorite player of the year was the double dive, right, with him. And was it Bembry was the other dive, and they got it to Mills for the layup? Yep. No, they, they eventually got it to Kessler Edwards for the dunk. But I, I, I think it was it was Griffin in one other net that dove. I can't remember the second net. Oh, that's it was, right. It, it was, was either Bembry or Mills. I it was think. it was uh, I think it was Bembry. I think it might have been. Yeah, it definitely wasn't James Harden. He's not a diver. No. All right, we're gonna move on to the Lakers Nets game. We're gonna go all the way back to January twenty fifth, one hundred six ninety six. Lakers win. Uh, not a lot to say here. I mean, I mean, the Lakers pretty much outplayed us for the most part. LeBron James, 33 points for him. Malik Monk went off for 22. Um, as far as the Nets go, James Harden, 33, 12 rebounds, 11 assists. He was the only guy with 20-plus. Patty Mills had 15, and DeAndre Bembry had 12. What did you guys see in this loss? I, I just didn't think there was, this was much of a game. Uh, Brandon, we'll start with you, and then we'll go to Nick. The Lakers? Yeah, the Lakers, the Lakers lost. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't really expect us to really win, especially with Anthony Davis coming back. I thought that was a huge game for for their um, spirits. And, you know, it motivated LeBron, obviously. he's. I think the uh, – I've been on Urkel. I don't know if you know who Urkel is. He's the guy who – He's the guy um, – spaces where Kevin Durant went on over the offseason. They asked him what a double team was. Um, he comes into our spaces now a, a little bit, but he kind of called LeBron the biggest front runner in the league. And I kind of agree with that because he never turns it, he turns, always turns it on when the Lakers have a lead. He never turns it on when the Lakers are behind. Interesting. Interesting perspective. Okay. So I kind of agree with uh, Urkel in that sense. Interesting. Nick, what do you think after this loss? I know you watch this one pretty closely. Uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with what Brandon said. I mean, they opened the game on an alley-oop to Anthony Davis, uh, and it was just a scary-ass start for us, especially with how many players we were down. Uh, we, we turned over the ball 10 more times than the Lakers in that second half. Was it third quarter where we consecutively turned it over a few times? They went, like, from up eight to up 15 in the matter of, like, 60 seconds. Um, this was LeBron's game. It was LeBron versus Harden, but it got away from us quickly. Uh, and then once they kind of went on that rampage after a couple turnovers, it was over. Uh, I disagree with Brandon. I didn't expect to win this. I was actually surprised in that first half when we were keeping up, Harden was going off. But Anthony Davis, even only putting up eight points, uh, just the intangibles. You know, Harden was trying to drive and Davis was coming from the weak side to stuff him, I think, a couple times in that first half. And it kind of uh, uh, deterred Harden from a couple drives later on. And then you start passing the ball off to some young players who are, are not shooting well. So, Expected loss, uh, still tough to watch, especially with Andy Davis back. But, um, yeah, what are you going to do? If I'm James Harden, this is a game that, that really frustrates me because I, I go off for a 30-point triple-double, but I don't have my guy KD because he's hurt. I don't have my guy Kyrie because currently he's not allowed to play in Barclays. So it's literally LeBron, AD, all his guys, Malik Monk balling out, and then it's James Harden and everybody minus the other big – big two so i mean sadly we we out rebounded the lakers by 20 in this game 13 on the offensive glass and we still couldn't score yeah 
And in a game like that, you know, if, if you don't have Kyrie and KD, you need your three-point shooting to be better because that's how you compensate for, for those guys being out by hitting your threes. And unfortunately, the Nets just don't have the weapons outside of a Patty Mills to do that right now. Um, all right, we're going to move on to that final game on Wednesday against the Nuggets. No big three, so you did not have Harden. He was out with injury. You did not have Kyrie because this was a home game. Kevin Durant's obviously not back. So very interesting. I mean, the Nets gave the Nuggets, without any of the big three, a run for their money. They scored mm-hmm. 37 in that second quarter, Brandon. They were up at halftime. I think they were up like like maybe seven or nine at halftime. And, uh, and then in that third quarter, it just got away from them. I mean, the Nuggets put up 42 points in that third quarter. Jokic woke up. He was he slept walk through the first half. He woke up. He finished with 26 points, 10 rebounds, eight assists. Uh, Austin Rivers had 25 against us. Will Barton had 21 and 10 rebounds in 34 minutes. Um, it, it, and then, of course, DeMarcus Cousins. How many times do these guys who, who used to be good, like a Lance Stevenson or DeMarcus Cousins, they come in and they just give the Nets fits? Boogie had 13 points and six rebounds in 13 minutes. Uh, we just did not have an answer for the Nuggets in that second half. But I like the way the Nets competed in the first, Brandon. What did you think of this one? Are you talking about the Nuggets? Uh, yeah. Do you know how the Nuggets they... competed or are we? No, how we competed. How oh, we yeah. competed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I didn't like how we competed in the first minute or first quarter, I should say, first quarter and a half because we got down, I think, 19 points, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the second half, we really turned it on, I thought, uh, led by, obviously, the rookies. Cam Thomas had a hell of a game. He, I think he had his career high at 25. Uh, so I think we caught Denver by surprise. I think they're kind of sleepwalking through the game after they took a sizable lead, and we were able to take advantage. But that's another game we should have won. I mean, down the stretch, we missed, I think, five free throws, and that, that was the game. It was it was that, and then Lamarcus Aldridge got cold in that in that fourth yeah, quarter. He, he missed a few bunnies. Patty Mills missed a few shots. Yeah, I think we went two or three minutes without scoring, and and Denver took advantage. Yeah, uh, great game from Cam Thomas, as you mentioned. Mills chipped in twenty one. Aldridge had eighteen. DeAndre Bembry had fourteen. James Johnson had twelve. And listen, I'll give Javon Carter uh, credit. He, this was that, his best that game was of the a, season. That was a JC game. Nine points. It says he had 13 points. 13 points. I know he had three threes. Oh, three. All right, right. Three. Yeah. Three threes from Javon. Um, Good for him. I mean, he needed something like this. It was nice to see him gain some confidence because, boy, before that game, he seemed like a walking brick from three-point land. That's why I've been – I wanted to see the Bulldog against uh, the Warriors because of the horrific play we've been seeing from Bruce Brown. There's not really a a sizable downgrade when you're – if you give – uh, the Bulldogs, some of Bruce Brown's minutes. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. I, I mean, what 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 is a problem with Bruce Brown is, you know, he can't shoot threes. And the big thing in the offseason was he was supposed to improve on his three-point shot, and he came in and he's worse than he was last year. So that makes him virtually unplayable because DeAndre Bembry does most of the same things Bruce Brown does, except he's lankier. And he's a little mm-hmm. bit better on defense. And he can finish a little bit better. So you're right. Brown has, has gotten to a point with the Nets where – He's not unplayable, but I would say he's closer to Javon Carter than he is to DeAndre Bembry and Patty Mills. I would say Bruce Brown is at that plateau where he is unplayable. That man can't even defend anymore. He can't make a bunny. He can't make a layup. His decision-making is very poor. Um, 
it, it's it's tough to defend Bruce Brown right now. Let me let me say this, Brandon. Here's what I love about you, Nick. You, you, I'll let you get in here in a second. You are very definitive on how you feel about some of these guys. I think that's awesome. I think the fact that you're like, I love BG. I like Javon Carter. I fucking hate Bruce Brown. Just in terms of basketball, you don't have a lot of Nets fans who have the chutzpah to say things like that. So I, I give you credit. I've been like that for years. Nick, what do you got to say? <laughs> I was just going to say Bruce Brown used to be so consistent with those little mm-hmm. floaters in the paint. Yep, and it would be like every time you give him the rock, it would be like a guaranteed little like you're saying. I'll brand. tell you and this: then what he, happened to that? It just fell off. He was someone who benefited from playing with Kyrie, Harden, and KD because Brown was great at finding the open spaces on the floor, and he mm-hmm. wasn't a bad decision maker last year. But you take away the big three, and you just have Harden sort of running the pick and roll. That's not Bruce Brown's game. I know Bruce Brown can roll to the rim, but like he's gonna get fucking stuffed by every center in the league. And if you yep. can't shoot the three, that makes him very one-dimensional. So yep. I, I get Brandon's frustration. All right. That brings us to the end of our show. But before we end it, we're going to do a rapid fire with Brandon. We do this with all our guests. So Brandon, I have 10, co- uh, 10 questions for you. Pretty hit or miss, some yes or no, very easy. Uh, we'll go in order. And I have a bonus question at the end for the three of us. So Brandon, are you ready for our Fireside Nets rapid fire? Of course. All right. <laughs> Question number one, is Steve Nash a good coach? Um, oh, that's <laughs> tough to answer. It is. Because it is I don't want to say he's a terrible coach because he's really not. He's actually, okay. a, I would I would more so borderline say he is an average coach. How about so, that? So that he's not a good coach. His average is not Correct. good. Okay. Correct. I wouldn't say right. he's a good Number two, do the Nets make a trade before the deadline? Yes. Okay. Number three, more important to the Nets' success, James Harden or Kyrie Irving? That's a tough question. Um, I'm going to say Kyrie. Okay. Number four, better shooter when they're on, Patty Mills or Joe Harris? Joe Harris. All right. Worst net when all is said and done. Javon, no, no, oh, no. Just oh. in the last two seasons. Javon Carter or TLC? TLC. <laughs> Not I even love close. that. <laughs> all Not right. No, close. <laughs> so now so now those are all basketball related. Now we're gonna get into some more uh social media spaces questions. You ready? Yep. All right. Who is the biggest troll on Nets Twitter? <sighs> is it just on Nets Twitter or do they have to be in our spaces as well? No, it doesn't have to be in spaces, just on Nets Twitter. Uh, Nets expert. Okay, and who would be the person on spaces? Uh, probably Cash. <laughs> of course, it would be him. All right, all right. Number seven, most famous person you guys have had on spaces. Um, does this do they have to be a speaker or do they have to be? Nope, they could just be a listener. Taylor Rooks. Taylor Rooks. Oh, that's actually really good. It would have been mm-hmm. funny if you just said, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio like popped into <laughs> one of our net spaces one time. <laughs> De Niro's been in there. Um, all right, number eight. Most shocking moment ever on a Brandon-led spaces was what? Shocking? Yeah, just when like everyone was just like, what the fuck just happened? Uh, I wouldn't say what the fuck. I would say the most entertaining a uh, moment that happens when Michael Scott, I don't know if you guys know about him. He used to be a Nets beat writer. He's a national writer now. And we were bringing up 
um, this was during the Lakers spaces. Um, and we were just bringing um, Philly fans up one by one. And at the end of one particular um, person, she just randomly said, fuck Blake Griffin. And the entire room just started laughing out of nowhere. It was hilarious. I mean, how pissed off are you? That's your that's your boy. It was so random. It was so fun. It was very funny. All right, number nine. Who is the smartest person on Nets Twitter? Smartest? Yeah. There's a lot of people that are really smart. Um, you to give me one guy or girl, whoever. Spanny, he's not going to say you, bro. Relax. I, I'm actually going to say Jay from BK. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I like that answer. I don't really have a number 10. Nick, do you have a good number 10? Uh, do the Nets win the championship this year? That's so boring. That's so boring. Don't answer of that, course. Brandon. Of course of they course. do. Terrible question. All right, here's my bonus question. Because that was you're such a that's such a bad number 10. Bonus question. Can we please give Kessler Edwards some type of nickname? I feel like he's he's earned Kess it. Express. The Kessex. Oh, but that's the the guy who uh who helps with Brooklyn Netcast. That's his that's his handle. Yeah, but he kind of uh, fed off. I think uh, Jay actually started the Kessler Express like way before a lot of people actually knew who Kessler, what Kessler Edwards can do. He started this in the offseason. Interesting. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. Shout out to Jay from BK. Oh, my number 10. What was the best Nets Twitter beef that you were either involved in or you watched from afar? Give me one really good beef and then we can end the podcast. Yes, uh, this is no question, hand down, the best Twitter beef ever is, I don't know if you guys know Bruce, but Bruce versus Brooklyn's beef. I know Brooklyn's, oh, I know both those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with, yeah, yeah, okay. Yep. By right. far the best beef you'll ever see. Brooklyn's beat's funny. We had, Nick, we had Brooklyn's beat on the show a few a few months ago. Nice kid. He's actually a grown man. <laughs> I, I call everybody a kid, Brandon. My, my fiance yells at me. She's like, "You can't call thirty-year-olds kids." I'm like, "I can." He's a kid. You're all, if, he is if a kid. You watch if you watch basketball in your spare time all the time as a hobby. I'm gonna call you a kid. It's a kid sport. I still play it. I'm a child. Whatever. It's not um, a kid sport. It's a grown man. All the professionals are pretty much grown men. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, Nick, can you weigh in on this grown man kid debate? No, it's a really stupid conversation. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we're going to end the show. Brandon at BL City 5. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. We hope you did you have a good time? Of course. It's been a blast. Hell yeah. Nick, before we end the show, and this was, uh, if you guys are listening, Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. If you were listening, of course you're listening. Nick, any final words for the listeners? Uh, get some sleep tonight. Yes, All right, you want to give sleep. me? You want to give me? A, you know what, Brandon? Could you give me a good catch me on the fireside at the end of every single episode? We say catch you on the fireside in a very cool tone. You want to give me a good one? Uh, catch me on the fireside. <laughs> Love it. That was solid. perfect. That was solid. End it. 